Yeah, what a privilege just to be with you today and appreciate, like Nicole said, just the partnership, the friendship. Uh, honestly, I know we've all been through some pretty tough stuff recently, the whole world, but I was just, Nicole and I on our way here, just thinking about what Mark and Kara have walked through, and maybe you don't know all of it. Mark phones me every week with issues with Kara. I just need you to know that, but uh, no, I'm just joking. That is a joke. That is joking online. I'm just kidding, but... Uh, I mean, friends, honestly, what they've walked through and just, I think just the fact that they continue to lift their heads up and continue to lead on with this great team and with you guys, Andy, and the two, I just want to say, honestly, it's commendable, it's honorable. I trust that if I was walking through some of the stuff you've had to, I would continue. I'm not sure I would, but the way you have handled yourself. And, and friends, I know that we've all been through it, I know that, but sometimes when you're leading, you've got to get up and lead people even though you're facing a whole lot of stuff, and just pre-COVID, into COVID, through COVID, and even right now. And I do want to publicly commend you. I do that a lot privately, but I think publicly, it's, we want to honor you guys just for your tenacity and your continued yes to what God's called you to, regardless of circumstances. And something of the fruit is here. And I think even what Nicole was saying, just some of the, the breakthroughs you're seeing here is because of your just not... Not grin and bear it, but your continued yes to the things that God's called you to. So well done. We're grateful. We're living in the benefit of that as well. There's an overflow. I think all of us are carrying some of that. And I do want to just publicly honor you and say well done. Can you guys just stand? Can we give them just a hand? Is that all right? I know you don't like us, but well done to you guys. Well done. You guys are heroes. You really are. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the partnership and all of you got people. I, I want to commend you for being here this morning. Well done. Being brave enough to actually gather with people. Wow, that's, that's a big deal right now apparently. I don't know, like 2019 we were told to avoid uh, negative people. I think 2020 was avoid positive people. And 2020, would, uh, 2021, avoid all people. This is kind of the season we've been in. But thank you for not listening but staying true to the mission and the call. And I'm not here to fight any of those things. I'm here to say this. There's something significant that God's been doing. I think the danger for us is that we get so distracted by what God's not doing. Because we're not able to see what He is doing. And my prayer, my trust, my hope is God. Not what's everyone else doing. And what's our government doing. And what are we doing. What are you doing? Because surely behind the scenes, what you're doing matters most when it comes to the things that God has called us to. And I keep saying this, that this season, this moment that we've been in has not paused the mission that we've been on. God never stopped what He was doing in this time and season. I do think He kind of paused what we were doing uh, to remind us again of what He's doing and also to remind us again of without Him we cannot do anything. And uh, while it's been incredibly challenging, I, I do feel like we're a... A way more authentic people. We were a way more uh, a strategic season upon us where we, we truly have come back to what really matters. And I, I, I keep going back, and I nearly preached this morning on this, but I'm trying to stick to what God's brought me here to say this morning. But I've been going through the book of Jonah. It's a dangerous book to read. And just so you know, it's, it's got a lot more to do than, ju than just a whale or some big fish that swallowed up some man. Just so you know. It's actually reveals a lot of the heart of God for what He wants to do. And I find it interesting in those four chapters, in, in uh, Joshua chapter, uh, Joshua, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it because of its wickedness has come up against me. And then Jonah disobeys. And for a chapter and a half, Jonah has to go through the situation and season and go into the belly of the whale and whatever it is, and then God in His goodness brings Jonah back. And then chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord came a second time. And this time Jonah responded and did what it is what God's called him to do. Interesting for me that the word of the Lord did not change. Interesting for me that the, word, the purposes of God did not change. The only one who had to change from that chapter 1 to chapter 3 was Jonah. Maybe we've been in the belly of a whale. 
Maybe we've been in a season of all the stuff and all this unknown, but we're not in that season. We're back to the mission and back to the Word. And God hasn't changed His Word. And God hasn't changed the mission in this season. He's just highlighted again. And I think in seasons, I believe this again and again, in seasons of confrontation and in seasons of crisis, it seems that the purpose of God and the destiny of God is revealed way more than it is in seasons of comfort and convenience. So I do believe the purpose of God is back on forefront for us. And even as a local church, I know it's winding down the year and celebration and Easter, uh, Easter Christmas is certainly here. And here we go with Christmas. And, uh, but let me tell you, going into this next season, we've got to adjust and we, is the nowness of what God's called us to. And, and I trust you saying yes to that, friends. I, I trust the dealings of God have been dealt with and that we are seriously opening our arms to the future that God has intended for us. He has not changed. It does not change. We must change to, again, fit into what it is God's called us to. Are you there? Very quiet, but that's okay. Now, I I think through this crazy season, the church has expanded in unexpected and irreversible ways. No going back. I, I believe in this season... Deep is going to be way more meaningful than wide. Intimacy will become everything. And with all due respect, numbers will mean very little. Performances will fall and fail. But fires are beginning to rise again. Fruitfulness will override result-driven. Big difference between fruit and results. Results are let's do this to get a result, a quick fix to see an instant success. And when the shakings come, you know, shakings are a good thing. And I don't like being shaken. But shaking reveals what we anchored to. And results are falling. When we're result driven, we do whatever we need to do to get a result. But when the shaking comes, it's gone. But fruitfulness lasts forever and ever. And we need to see more fruit rather than just go after The results that we're looking for. Radical will thrive and nominal will fall away. Authentic and raw will beat the polished. Prophetic innovation will outstrip religion. Deeper meaning will rise while old structures are falling away. There is a tearing down of the old. But there is a building up of the new. The challenge is this, get ready for the times are re-changing, but the mission and the mandate will never change. I've said this in this pulpit before, that COVID-19 has exposed many things. In and out of the church, in our nation, around the world, good stuff and bad stuff. I tell you what, we the church have been exposed to, not just to COVID, but what we've been building our foundation on. I believe that the church in America's foundation has been exposed. And we have built the church on mission, or or we've built the church foundation on ministries, or gifting, or, or callings, or whatever it is that we're so passionate about at the expense of building it on the only foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced that coming out of this season, that we, the church, are going to be far more effective going forward because we've reconnected with our bridegroom king. We, we've reconnected with our head. And we're going to do more with him and do more for him, not out of duty, not out of religion, but out of our love for him as he ministers in us and with us and through us. Have you reconnected with your head? Have you set aside religious practice and, 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 and duty bound coming back to reconnecting to Him with Him? Better representing Him. So many people in our great nation have tried church, but they haven't tried Jesus. And the reason being is because the church has made it about everything other than the most important thing being Jesus Christ. And so we are in this great season. And, and I do feel like there's a, there's a fresh sense of the plans and the purposes of God. Are we going to better represent Him than ever before? A man named William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army. Have you heard of him? 
uh, he, he, he said in the 1900s, some of the chief uh, dangers that confront this coming generation. This was in the 1900s. Interesting, he didn't talk about a pandemic. He didn't talk about vaccines. He didn't talk about this government overreach. And these things are real, and I'm not here to argue about those things. But this is what he said, that, uh, that we are facing coming in dangers for us in the coming century. He said, we're going to have forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God. Religion without the Holy Spirit. Heaven without hell. For me, the most tragic is we're going to go after a Christianity without Christ. Christianity without Christ. Stating some obvious truths this morning. Christianity is Christ. I I believe it's actively pursuing someone, not pursuing something. I believe it's our entire givenness to the person of Christ. I, I believe Christianity is our entire focus on the person of Christ. It's our entire obedience to the will of Christ. It's our entire desire to be intimate with Christ. It's our entire confidence in the nature and the work of Christ. And I do believe, friends, that the Christian life is a Christ living, is Christ living His life in us and through us. Now, Jesus came to us. But Jesus also wants to work with us and walk with us And Jesus also wants to work through us. He came to us, He wants to walk with us, and He wants to work through us. That's the heart of God. That is Christianity 101. And it's like this season, God's brought us back to these realities. And I'm delighted this morning just to share some of these truths again. Nothing new. Maybe a little bit different to what I would usually preach. Because I wanted to come in here and... Give us this big view of Jesus out of the book of Hebrews. I, I was like, we, Christmas is here and we're celebrating and we've got Christmas trees and all these gifts and we're singing the carols and, and we're doing all this great stuff. But Christ is the reason for Christmas, but He's also the reason for everyday living. And I've preached this recently that our greatest battle that lies upon us going forward is our revelation of Jesus. Who is He? Not who do we say He is. Who is He really? And I was going to unpack out of Hebrews chapter 1 these seven statements about Jesus of the bigness of who He is. Because our view of Him, a correct view of Jesus, determines a correct view of everything else. I'm absolutely convinced of that. If we don't have a correct view of Him, we are having an incorrect view of all the stuff that's happening around us. And I'm listening to the church, and it would seem we're missing it because we don't have a correct view of Him. And everything in our culture, dear friends, is devaluing Christ. Not just the church, Christ in the church. Christ as the church. And our revelation of Him has been diminished day in and day in out. That's why we've got to contend for that, because it's there where we find our strength and our courage to walk us Christian life out, regardless of what we're facing. And so while I want to go there, I want to be faithful to what I felt God say. So go with me, please, if you have your Bibles, to the book of John, Gospel of John. John 15. John chapter 15. And let's read together in verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. And He says, I am the true vine, And my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, so that we'll be even more fruitful. So He cuts off that which is not fruitful, and He prunes to make us more fruitful. Again, God does not work in calendar years, and I understand that. But in 2020, I, uh, was it 20? Yeah, 22 or something. Before COVID, just before COVID, I felt God speak to me about it. we are entering into a season of release. And two months later, we were shut down, locked down, and the church couldn't gather, and I couldn't travel globally anymore. What kind of release was that? 
Clearly, I was not a prophet, and I'm not a prophet. But actually, just so you know, looking back, we the church have been released from so much. We were so busy with so much good stuff at the expense of the God stuff. We were so busy doing church rather than being the church. We were so busy running with momentum that we stopped running with what God called us to. And so God has released us, and He's taken from us some of the busyness and the stuff that was just in a way, or the weighty, the things that we carry, they were not from Him. And, and God doesn't just take for the sake of taking, friends. I don't know where you see that in Scripture. He takes away in order to make us more effective. We were released from some things in order to be released into new things. So I do believe 2020 was something of a season of release. 2021, I believe God spoke to me and He said it's going to be a season of effectiveness. And how many of you know we released from to be more effective? How many of you know God wants us to be more effective at every level in everything we say and do? God is a God of effectiveness. And, and I don't want to say as of January 1, 2022, things are going to change. But I do believe this new season coming upon us is that God is moving us into fruitfulness. And if you look at this, Release from in order to be released into, to be more effective, to be more fruitful. In actual fact, He's taken us back to the very beginning. The first command of God in the book of Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply. He's just taken us back to His intention from the outset of creation. Fruitfulness. We've just read, He prunes. He cuts away that which is dead branches that bear no fruit He takes away and those that are bearing fruit, He prunes it to make us more fruitful. That's what God's doing. And then He says in verse 3, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in Me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So he's talking in this concept of trees and branches. And, but then he actually moves. And if you don't understand, he makes it pretty clear. You can't produce fruit without me. How is it that we think we can? How is it that we as believers and followers of Jesus get so busy trying to be fruitful and play tricks that we begin to walk away from the very thing we need to be planted in? If we remain in Him, we are fruitful. If we don't, we might have some results, but it's not fruit. Now this is not new, and this is probably the go-to text for COVID. This John chapter 15. That's why I'm like, Lord, I don't want to share that. I'm sure they know this. And they, but I'm telling you, friends, there's something from God for us in this season that we've got to come back to understand. Without Him, we can do nothing. We've learned that, hopefully, through the season. But let's learn it enough to stay there rather than move on and have to go through this nonsense again. Neither can you bear fruit unless... You remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. I mean, he, he's making it pretty clear. You don't have to guess what he's saying. <laughs> if a man remains in me and I in him, he will. Not he could, he might. There's an optional thing that might happen. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, here we go again. Are you hearing this? Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. In other words, they're useless. Verse 7, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Interesting. doesn't say ask whatever you want when you want it. If you remain in me, and my word remains in you, ask whatever, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, 
showing yourselves to be my disciples. And we all love to quote, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, by your love for one another. Well, Jesus also said, by your fruit. It's not just love, it's also fruit that will show others that you're my disciples. See, I want people to look at my life, not my preaching, and I love my wife and my kids and all the ministry, but I want people to be able to look at my life and say, that dude, he follows Jesus. That dude is a follower of Christ. That dude is truly a disciple of Christ. By his, not love for one another, but also by the fruit in his life. Not the results, the fruit. I want people, and I believe God wants people to look at Impact Rock Church with all these individuals in this room and those online who need to come back with all due respect. But let's not go there now. All of us. And He wants people to look at you and not see how awesome you are. He wants people to know you're a follower of Jesus. You're a disciple because of the fruit of your life. Nothing earned. Simply remain in Him. His Word in us. We are going to be fruitful. That's what He's called us to be. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, not some fruit, much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. As the Father has loved me, verse 9, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed in my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that, you, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Gee, it doesn't seem like that's happening right now. Anyway, let's move on. You know, <laughs> we are hating each other. And we're doing it in the church and online so the whole world can hear us go at each other. I mean, I've said this. Let me get in trouble quickly while I'm here. (laughs) Social media may not have enabled the lame to walk, but it has enabled the dumb to speak. And the dumb, with all due respect, are speaking and not showing love for one another. Not even tolerant. Have no... I mean, we are so opinionated. We're so divided in the church about the nonsense going out out there. It's real. I get it. But we are to show love. Love for one another. Love's not, hey, what's in it for me? He goes on and he says, Greater love, verse 13, has no one than this, than he who lays down his life for his friend. Mm. And then, verse 14, You are my friends. If you do what I command. Verse 15. Now this, to me, is the key of what I want to share this morning. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. So can I just over quickly say this, fruitfulness is in Him and Him alone. Failure is guaranteed without Him. Faithfulness to Him is what He's asking of us. Having faith in Him and what He said, then you can ask whatever you want. In faith, because His Word's in us. And what I've realized is that fear rises in the absence of faith. And there is a fear that has gripped the hearts of the church, gripped the hearts of people. Maybe this morning, if you're truly honest, and put down your Christian little kind of lenses and pretenses and put it down, and maybe the call that we heard from Hark, God through Hark, which is amazing that God can speak through Hark. But he, no, no, I'm just joking. Hark. God speaks through anyone. And Hark, not Hark. Yeah, okay, let's just get Hark, I love you, bro. I know you're back in there. Protect me, bro. But, 
But I just want to say, maybe part of that was the fear that has kicked in and gripped your life. Fear of the now, fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of when we all face it. Maybe right in this room, you're facing stuff. God gets it, friend. And fear rises in the absence of faith. But He says you can ask whatever you want, as long as you are in Him and His Word is in us. So then when you're asking, you're asking in faith because it's His Word that you're asking of. Does that make sense? Fullness. Make my joy complete. Love and affirmation is what He talks about. And friends, and this is what I want to highlight. We as God's people, we as followers of Jesus, we as the church, we as leaders, need a posture shift. Moving from not just being servants of Christ, which is our call, which is important, and it is a follower of Jesus that we are, but we also need to move to being friends with Jesus. And I I get nervous talking on this because people love to tell him that Jesus is my friend and me and him and we got the hookups. That's not what I'm saying. He is God. He is King. He is fully God. He's fully God. He is in control. He's coming back. He rules and reigns. Those things are not up for debate. And He's not just some happy-go-lucky dude who you hang out with. But we do need to come back to this revelation that He told His disciples, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. And there is a big difference between a servant and a friend. And I do think the challenge for us this morning in this room, with all due respect, is we need to shift from just serving and being a servant to being a friend. And He calls us His friend. He didn't say, you chose me as a friend. He said, I called you. I choose you as my friend. It's the ultimate promotion that Jesus gives any one of us. Not just servants, friends. Everything changes when you get the friend thing. And he said this, I call you friend. Why? Because a master, a servant does not know what the master is doing. But a friend knows exactly what it is the master is doing. And then he said, I have not held out from you. I've revealed to you everything my father has given to me to reveal. Are you listening, my dear friends? I've said this. Where were the prophets when it came to COVID? And where were the prophets? And, and I felt God, even with the Trump thing, and with all due respect, how wrong the prophets keep getting it. And I'm not trying to blame them, but God's not getting us to go to prophets to hear what God wants to say to us. Yeah. Yeah. We've taken the old covenant and tried to bring it into the new covenant, but we have to go to someone to hear from God. What happened to you going to God for yourself? He's not your grandfather. He's your own father. But somehow the pastors and the leaders in the church are now the go-between and the mediator. No, no. Jesus is the only mediator and He created a way for you and I to go directly to Him. So I was challenged by God. Where are the prophets and where were they and why didn't they and why didn't they? And the Lord said, where were you? Well, I'm not a prophet. You are my friend. I'm revealing to you what I'm doing. It's not secrets. I'm not holding out on you. A servant gets their directions and runs with them. A friend, well, that changes everything. And I hope you hear this this morning. We need to shift our posture. Yes, Lord. Yes, servant. But we are friends. And going forward, God is revealing some stuff to you and through me. And He wants us to partner with Him in a season that is very different to the season of pasts. This is the ultimate promotion. Jesus promoted them by describing to them the difference between two positions. See, servants don't know what their master is doing. They task and function orientated. Give me my job, my duty, and I'll go and do it. And that's great heart, but He wants more than that with us. Obedience is our primary focus as a, as a servant. Well, friends are less concerned about disobeying. They're more concerned about disappointing. Obedience is the key. Jesus said in verse 14, 
You are my friends if you do what I command. So you can't be a friend of God or Christ if you're not obeying. So obedience is essential, but it's not about the obeying, it's about the disappointing. See, the disciples' focus shifted from principles to, pre- to presence. I mean, honestly, guys, if I, Mark, I hope you'll have me back, but there's some of us in this room, can I just be very honest? You know the Bible and you know the principles. And you can declare to people what the Bible says. That's not enough. He doesn't, he's not a principle God. We've made Christianity principle driven. That's why everyone hates Christianity, including me. I tell people I'm not a Christian. They freak out. When I fly and I travel and I'm back on the road now, I'm flying around the U.S. more there. And people say, oh, what do you do? And I tell them I'm a pastor. Oh, leader. I'm trying to be clever because when you say this, you just, they shut you down. But, but I, they say, oh, so you're a Christian. I'm like, no. Like, How can you be a, a preacher and not a Christian? Because I said, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then they want to talk to me because when they hear I'm a Christian, they know what I stand against because Christians are against all the stuff that's happening Because we're principle-driven. We have principles. We know what the Bible says and we're going to stand on the principle with no life. God wants to give life to those principles by bringing us back to presence. Am I making any sense? It's not the laws. It's the the presence. I don't do stuff because I have to. I get to do stuff because I get to do it with Him. The presence of God is what motivates me, not the principles I believe in. That's what's dividing the church. That's what's dividing our nation. Principles. What about the presence? Their focus shifted from functioning for Him to friendship with Him, then functioning in what He's called us to. What I do for Him to how my choices affect Him. What changes? Well, I think what we possess changes. It changes what we possess. As we gain access to His heart, what we know changes. Everything changes. His heart is our greatest resource of information. Can I say, don't Google everything. Stop Googling. And why not go to Him? I use Google too, but let me tell you, we go to Google for what God's saying. How about going to God Himself? Are you there, friends? We gain the resources of His heart. We have access. What we possess changes because of our access to Him as friends. Man, I'm telling you, there's no tricks to this. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it's simple. You want to know what's going on? Ask Him. He's not holding up. You want to know what you're called to do? How about going to Him and saying, Lord, what happens in a season like this? And yes, people are making decisions that are out of our hands, but what are you doing? What are you showing? I mean, friends, it just changes our perspective. And we need a perspective shift with our posture shift. It comes from saying we have access to this great truth and resources and information, the heart of God. What changes our passion? Our passion. Now, as a friend, encounters with him are very different to those of a servant. They're far more intimate. And this is for the men in this room too. They're far more intimate when he's your friend. If he's your master, give me the rules, give me the stuff, and I'll go share it. But as a friend, it's intimate. And God is looking for more intimacy with us, friend. I'm just telling you, it's on the heart of God. Always has been. He even says this intimacy is in the heartbeat of God. Friend, don't deny the intimacy or try and be too manly with all due respect. Intimacy is what He is wanting of us. And friends have these relationships. Intimate, far more important. Not just getting the job done. It's actually getting to walk with Him and enjoy Him. Some of us are so job done, let's get it done. Let's get. And I'm one of those guys, but God wants to bring me to a place of intimacy and important to do it with Him and enjoy some moments with Him rather than just, come on everybody, let's run the race. We're missing the every season that God has for us. Let me tell you, our, our encounters with him are far more personal. They're far more individualized. Mark's encounter with the Lord's different to mine, and I rejoice in what he's walking in, but I get to do it myself. 
If it was just a master, we all get the same rules, the same download, the same. But if it's a friend, it's different. And it's more me and him and you and him. And that's what he's requiring of us in this room this morning. It's the privilege of being a follower of Jesus. Not some rules and regulations and some dude telling me what to do, which is going to be good enough, but it's a whole lot more than that. It's you and I having intimacy and we get to be personal. Divine encounters become some of the greatest moments of our ministries and lives. Not the breakthroughs we have, the encounters we have with this great King that one day we stand before and worship Him. But till then, we can encounter some things right here on earth. See, I think too many are living a defensive Christianity rather than actively pursuing Him. Too busy defending Him rather than pursuing Him. Go back to pursuing Him. That's what matters more than us trying to defend. Do you think He needs us to defend Him? We need to actively pursue Jesus. Our partnership changes, friends. Our function changes radically. Instead of working for Him, I now work with Him. I want to tell you, for me personally, that's the greatest revelation I have. I love partnership. And I mean, we're all for partnership. We have partnership. But I don't just do this for Him in partnership. I do this with Him in partnership. It just gives you courage. It gives you the ability to stand up and pronounce and announce what He said. And whether people agree or not, to be honest, doesn't really matter if He said it. I'm not here convincing him. It's like he's here convincing me to try and convince you. We're not convincing God. Do this. We don't do for favor, but rather from favor. I'm a friend of Jesus. I I might not see it in everything I do, but I carry favor because of, I don't stand up here to preach to earn favor with him. That's a sermon. Like if I do this, then my master will be pleased. A friend is, I get to do this because I carry his favor. Are, are you okay? I mean, I'm just like, there's silence. I can't, and there's a couple of amens in the front, like babbling amen. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, this is not new, but this is like, this is revolutionary. If we just would, yeah, and actually, yeah, I need to shift. I mean, I know this. I grew up in the church. I've always heard on John 15, but something is shifting. And are we shifting with him? We're going to stay servants and wonder why we're missing. Are we going to come into this place of friends? I'm a friend of Christ. Christ calls me his friend. Our position changes. And I think that's what Hawk was saying this morning. Interesting how God breaks in and says, I love that you love me, but I love you. Who, a master's not going to tell you that. What master calls his servants is, I love you. The master calls his servant and says, why haven't you done what I called you? You're dead. You're fired. A friend says, come on here. I love you. Our identity is totally changed when we move from servant to friend. Our identity sets the tone, friends, with, for all we are. All we do. they linked. And all we'll ever become. Not just a follower, but we're also a friend. Believers who live out who they really are in Christ cannot be crippled by the opinions of others. We burn with the realization of who my Father says I am. Let me tell you this. If you live for the people's acceptance, you'll die by the people's rejection. Can I also say Jesus isn't who you say He is, but who He says He is. And I, too, am not who you say I am, but who He says I am. And I had that in my notes before Hawk said this. (laughs) So either Hawk and I are missing it, or God's got our attention. See, friends, in Him we are significant. And I'm not trying to give you a cheerleading pep talk this morning. God wants to shift us for effectiveness and fruitfulness. I, in Him, have significance. Without Him, you might do significant stuff and be honored on this planet, but you're not significant without Him. We cannot do anything without Him, is what He said. Remain in me, and I in you. And that's where the fruit comes. Our significance. You want to know what gives value to the thing you call value? 
man, you know, I, I feel like there's a cause-driven people, and I've said this, everyone in this room carries a cause. And I want to be bold enough to almost say it's from God. It's not just a devil giving you a cause. God put something. You're passionate. If I gave you the microphone and I said, Andy, what are you passionate about? It would just, you might say this stuff, but you'll eventually get to what really passionate. I mean, it just comes out because you can't help yourself because it's in you. And with that comes the grace of God to fulfill that. But if that is your passion at the expense of Him, then that thing actually ends up dividing rather than uniting us. The value to that thing you're passionate about only comes from Him. The significance of what you do comes from Him. And I've realized that more and more. I love to do what I do. But without Him, He gives, adds the value, the significance to everything else I do. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. I'm wasting my life on something of no significance. And maybe it looks like it's fruit, but it's not. It's results. Fruit is significant in Him, only comes from Him. I'm sufficient in Him. Sufficient. Believe it or not, I have all I need. And I want more. Heck yeah. And I want more sneakers, and I want more phones, and I want more travel. But actually in Him, I'm significant. I'm sufficient. In Him, we are secure. All the shaking, and yeah, it's going to continue. But there's only one, from what I can see in Scripture, that cannot be shaken, is Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if He can't be shaken, He's in me. I'm secure. So how do we respond? I'm just telling you again, even in COVID, even in the shutdown, even in this busy season, again, too many things are contending for our attention and our affection. And I'm watching us, the church, get back to the stuff being busy with it again at the expense of what He's taught us. So what's your priority? I'm going to tell you this. The Lord of the work is more important than any work you can do for the Lord. And I've had to learn that and I continue to hopefully learn. The Lord of the work is way more important than the work I do for the Lord. And here's what I've found through COVID, through lockdown and shutdown. The work of the Lord that He gave me has changed. But the Lord of the work has never changed. And what I've realized is that we get governed by the work. And that's when our worlds are shaken. Because when the work doesn't happen like we used to it, then we realize the, the works become the Lord. But He's never changed. So His work does change for us. But He never changes. He's more important than the work of the Lord. I've said this before, COVID-19. I've met so many people, including in this room, who said to me, Tyron, if I had more time, if I just had more time, I'd spend it with Him. Put your hand up if you've said that. And be honest, because the Lord's watching. Oh yeah, I've, my hands, my feet, everything's up right now. I'm, I'm, I'm so busy for Him. So busy doing stuff for Him. If He just gave me more time, I would spend it with Him. Boom! The whole thing shut down. Now what do I do? Maybe I should podcast and record and go on live stream and watch more football. I, I love football. I won't use it, except the Raiders. But anything else? Yes. And, no, but, but are you with me? And then we look back 18 months later and go, gee, we had some time. But what do we do with that? Guaranteed the majority of us never spend more time with Him. Why is that? Just, it's not a time thing. It's a priority thing. You make time for what you... Is your priority. Whatever is your priority, you'll find time to do. It's not, a, it's not an accusation. It's a challenge. Priority has to be my friend. And we've got to come back to that. You know, can I just add this thing about prayer very quickly? And I'm sorry I'm taking so long. I'm going to land, Mark. And... There's a guy on our translocal team named Ken Grenfell. I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I he's a prophetic guy who's a great guy. He's, he's an Ephesians 4 prophet. I listen to him. I like him. He's got our heart. He's on my team. And he actually prophesied in 2019. He did tell us that the church was going to shut down. I didn't realize it. And in 2019, in Toronto, Canada, we were having a conference and I was preaching on prayer and the necessity and the need for prayer. He came to me afterwards and he said he had a dream that night. And that dream he had was this. He was driving a vehicle to an NCMI prayer meeting. And he said he dropped everyone off that vehicle into the, at the prayer meeting and he went to park his vehicle. 
And then he began to walk back to the prayer meeting and then he realized, gee, hang on, I've left my Bible and my notes in my vehicle. So he went back to the vehicle to get his Bible and notes and the vehicle was gone. And so he was devastated because his Bible and his notes were in the vehicle and they were gone. So he started walking back to the prayer meeting and he found on the sidewalk his Bible, but his notes were gone. And he picked up his Bible and we all came out of the prayer meeting and said, Gee, where have you been? You missed a great prayer meeting. And he woke up, 2019, November 2019, before COVID was a thing. It might have been a thing in China, but it wasn't a thing here. Sorry, I had to say that. (laughs) Forgive me. Someone knew about it, but we didn't. Okay, well, maybe someone here did too. Let me just, I'm getting in trouble. I didn't know about it and it wasn't a thing, all right? And he said this. Here's my interpretation of the dream. He said this to me. I've got it. He sent it to me in October, uh, November 2019. He said, the vehicle that I was driving represents the church. And it disappeared. It was gone. It was taken. I didn't even read that because that made no sense in 2019. But he said, but what God's saying going forward for his people is it's going to require substantial prayer because he was on a way to a prayer meeting and the Word of God. Not my notes, not my preaching sermons. The Bible, the Word of God, because that's the only thing that he found on the way to the prayer meeting. Prayer and the Word. And then in 2021, I'm like looking at some of the prophetic words and I found that one again and I'm like, (gasps) we were told. The church is going to shut down, disappear. Somehow it's going to be gone. Ministry will be gone for a moment. So I was like, gee, Lord, I missed that. I mean, imagine if I I, I phoned Ken. I said, did you know this? He goes, no, of course. Thank you for being an honest prophet. He didn't know that. But I want to tell you what he highlighted was prayer and the Word of God. Now, I guarantee in this room you all say, of course, Tyron, we know. Come back to the Word of God. How essential prayer is. Well, prayer is not just me telling God what to do. And I think we've been taught in the church, tell God what you need and tell God what to do, because that's what prayer is. God, you need a breakthrough. You need to sort our government out, Lord. You need to open the borders again, Lord. You need to stop this coronavirus thing, Lord. You need to expose all that. And we're telling God what He needs to do. And by the way, I need breakthrough, and I need healing, and I need protection, and now I've prayed. That's not prayer. (laughs) Forgive me. That is not, that's how I've been taught to pray. Go to God with your list and tell Him what you need and as He gives you the breakthrough, delete it so you can be more encouraged to ask Him for more. Great. That's one side. That's half prayer. And we're really good at that. And we've got even better at that through COVID. How about actually the other side? Prayer is not monologue. It's dialogue. How about the other side? Going to God to ask Him what He wants to tell you. To ask Him what He wants to show you. To ask Him what He wants you to do rather than you telling Him what He should do. You want to hear God? Make time to hear Him, not tell Him. Maybe even be bold enough to delete that prayer list and let Him give you a prayer list. Then you're praying what's on His heart, not what's on your heart. Are you there? Can I just say, when you pray, it's about engaging God. It's not about getting something from Him. In actual fact, I think when we pray, we should focus on Him. It's a relationship. We don't go to Him for more from Him, but more of Him. Imagine just going to Him to get more of Him, not give me more. I just want more of you, not more from me. Are you, are you, are you hearing this, friends? My parents, my dad and mom live in Australia. I'm desperate to go back. Have you seen what's happening with COVID in Australia? It's insane. I can't go back there. It's been two years. I'm an Australian citizen. I'm a dual citizen. And I can't get back there because of the nonsense of shutting an island down. I don't want to get into the poly, but I'm desperate. And I've booked in faith for February. And now we found a variant. So here we go again, whatever that looks like. All I know is I'm not going to, they're probably not going to let me come back for a while. But can I just say this? When I finally get back to Australia and get to sit with my parents and my dad at the table, I'm not going to say, Dad, do you have something you want to tell me? Is there something you want to invest in me? Is there something you want to tell me? Is there something you want me to know? What kind of relationship if I have if I'm always asking him to tell me something rather than just hanging out with my pops? And if he's got something, let him tell me. If he hasn't, it's good enough just to hang. Because I don't want more from him. I just want to be more, I have more of him. That's my earthly father. It's a warped relationship if I always need something from him rather than just want to be with him. 
And some of us, seriously, only go to Him when we need. And then we wonder what friends. What, I've got friends who only come to me when they need something. They're not friends. They're hard work. They are not friends. They think they're my friend because they get from me. They never give me nothing except headaches. But they consider themselves friends. They're not friends. Friends are like, hey, I need something from you. Friends are like, let's just connect. Let's hang out. Let's watch football and not talk anything. and Not, not leave. Can you lend me money again? If you have a need, sure. But let's be friends. So can I say, you want to be friends and you want to shift from being a servant? Maybe your prayer life needs to shift to, it's good enough if I just hang out with you and... By the way, it's not a waste of time to hang out with Jesus. Even if He gives you nothing, you just get more of Him. How bad is that? Well, Tyron, I'm busy. Yeah, with the wrong thing. I've got some priorities. Wrong ones. We're talking about friendship. Yeah, Master, give me the download. Tell me what I've got to do. And I'm going to go and do it as a good old puppet. That's how many of us want to serve Him here on earth and wonder why people aren't buying into this great relationship you claim to have. The overflow of what I do is not based on the download I get from heaven. The overflow of what I do is I get to just be with Him. And that's good enough. And there are times He says stuff, there are times He doesn't. There are times He gives me stuff I need to be aware of. And other times I just, and I'm telling you, to be honest, I'm more refreshed coming out of that than I am getting a download of the next 10 years of my life. Why? Because that's what we were created to be. This is not a waste of time. In the busy culture of America, don't think this is a waste of time. That's a lie from the devil. The less he can get us connected to Jesus, the more ineffective we'll be, less fruit we'll have. Jesus made it clear in John chapter 15. So we're so busy with running our kids to soccer and cricket and football. And and I get it, guys. We have kids too. Are you there? Busy with work, busy with trying to get another job, trying to do that. Friends, too busy to go. Stop! Get back to remaining in Him and watch the fruitfulness come. The absolute direct result is fruitfulness. Seek Him. Speak and ask Him to speak. And if you don't expect Him to speak, you'll actually downplay every time He does speak. And it's very hard to hear God when you've already determined what you want Him to say. Ask God what He wants to show you. Prayer enables us. Alright, prayer is essential, friends. Are you still passionate? Not only is He a priority, are you passionate? Does, without trying to be aware, does Jesus still take your breath away? I mean, honestly. Oh, Tyron, that's weird. It's not weird. It's right. I don't want a mechanical relationship with Him. I want an honest, intimate, passionate. My supreme need is to know Him. More than information. More than study you who like to study. We don't, we're not called to study Him. We're called to know Him. It's our spirit abiding with His spirit on an ongoing basis. I must be, my highest aim is to connect with my King Jesus, my Lord, my friend. Closeness to Him that compels us to want to know Him more. You know, Jesus, the more we know Him, the more we want to know Him. Are you still proactive? Are you living on stolen moments? Or are you connecting regularly? I heard a, an, an Indian pastor from India, fancy that, Indian pastor from India, who challenged this nation, pastors, leaders in this nation, church leaders, of which I'm one. And a, another pastor had fallen morally, a big name, and I mean, it's tragic. It's tragic when a, anyone falls. But when, when someone who God's given huge significance position falls, it, it's not like a gunshot, it's like a cannon. Shrapnel takes out everyone. It's not like a bullet, it's like shrapnel. And this guy was grieving and, and he just said a statement, this Indian pastor, he said, you know the thing about, and he's not pointing fingers, he's just stating a fact. He said this, it's amazing how the church in the West, that followers of Jesus are more happy and content to go to 
Moses, the man of God, than they are to go up the mountain themselves and find God for themselves. You know, in the old covenant, Moses had these incredible experiences up the mountain. Then he came down and he would tell people, what, but that's the old covenant. In the new covenant, we get to go up the mountain to see God ourselves. But his statement is the church in the West, the American church, it's easier to go to the man of God or the, the leader. Tell me what God's saying. Tell me what God's like. And we love that as pastors and leaders to say, well, this is what God's saying and this is how awesome he is. And you, you, you're kind of living old covenant. You, you, you get the privilege with me to go up the mountain for yourself. And that's what we need in a season like this. You've been up the mountain to be with your own father rather than you've been grandfathered into this through the man of God. Stop going to the man of God and go to God himself. Nakuma? Don't live on stolen moments. Connect with him regularly. Pursue him. Is your soul still satisfied by him alone? Is it, friend? Is it really? Psalm 107, verse 9. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. You know, if He doesn't satisfy you, then we need people to do that. Or we need our spouses. You want to know why most marriages break up and have broken up since COVID, in COVID? It's not because we can't live together. It's because we want people to take the place of God. We have expectations on our spouses. They can never give us because that's the one thing God can give you. But you're so looking to people because you haven't looked to God. I mean, listen, I travel and I'm, I've been on the road eight months of the year and now I've been home for two years. My poor wife, she's not used to having me around so much. But let me tell you, friends, if this isn't sorted out, this is a disaster. And this is always a disaster because most, I'm not, not ours, others, because they're not focused on Him. It's unfair, wives, to expect from your husbands what only God can give you. Stop. He satisfies your soul. Alone. Otherwise, you need your spouse. Wives, husbands, it's unfair for your wives to give you the hookup you need when only God can give you that hookup in your heart. It's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. Stop putting your stuff on them. Parents, trying to live your fantasy through your children, stop, set them free, and go to God for that revelation again. Forgive me for being straight up. Parents, kids, stop looking at your parents to be your hookup. He doesn't satisfy your soul. You're going to need stuff, things, people, ministry, recognition, whatever it is, the thing you're pursuing. And it's a dangerous thing because all those things cannot give you what only God can give us. And lastly, are we pressing on and in with Him? Are you still pressing on? It's, I don't want to live in what was. I'm so grateful for the relationship I have with the Lord. I really am. And He keeps, He's so good to me that in the ministry that I've been given globally, He brings me back to Him all the time. This stuff can never take the place of Him. And I'm so grateful, but I don't want to stay here. I want to keep pressing on. I want to keep pressing in. I'm not waiting for my friends around me to cheer me into that place. I have the... absolute privilege of pressing on with him, pressing into him. Paul said, I want to know you, Christ. I want to say, gee, Paul, you know Christ. But he wasn't settled there. He continued saying, I pursue, I run for, I run after, I want to know. Friend, is that in your heart? Oh, that's Paul. He's an apostle. He was a man who understood the significance of this relationship. I think the days of blaming our pastors and blaming the church for your walk with Jesus, those days are over. It's nobody else's fault except your fault of where your walk is with Jesus every day. There's only one who can determine that walk, and that's you, not even Jesus, only you. Because when you go to Him, how you relate to Him determines how He relates to us. He wants it. He's waiting. Nothing's changed. What do we do with it? Not to feel bad. This is what it means to be a friend. I want to be that friend. I want to live in that promotion. The ultimate, not just a servant, but friend. Amen? Can I pray, Mark? Is that okay? Are you with me? Are you good? Are we friends? And now we're going to celebrate Christmas and the birth of Jesus and get busy with all this other stuff.
That's fine. Enjoy it. But not at the expense of the main reason. And the best way to honor Him is not on Easter or Christmas, but actually every day. Walk with Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. You know, prayer of St. Patrick. Man, he got this. He caught this revelation. This is what he said. I arise today through the strength of Christ's birth and His baptism. Through the strength of His crucifixion and His burial. Through the strength of His resurrection and His ascension. Through the strength of His descent for the judgment of doom. I arise today. May the strength of God pilot me. The power of God uphold me. The wisdom of God guide me. May the eye of God look before me. The ear of God hear me. The word of God speak for me. May the hand of God protect me. The way of God lie before me. The shield of God defend me. The host of God save me from snares of the devil, from temptations of vices, from everyone who desires me ill. May Christ shield me today. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down. Christ when I sit. Christ when I stand. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Father God, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ with us, my King, my Lord, me your servant, but also you no longer call me, sir. You call me friend. I pray this morning as your word has gone out, your word, very clearly, that you would shift our postures this morning in this room. Supernaturally, significantly, would you, Lord, shift our postures Not just servants of Christ. But friends, the ultimate promotion. May we live as friends. May we lead as friends. May you reveal to us, may you trust us with secrets of heaven because we're friends. Shift our posture. We move this morning from just servants to also friends. I pray for my friends and your friends in this room, Jesus. And would you just break the shackles of religion, duty, performance? Break it in Jesus. Bring us back to true relationship reconnected, fruitful, remaining in you and you in us. Apart from you, you said it, we can do nothing. So why bother doing anything if we can't do nothing? But with you, if we remain in you and you in us, we will be fruitful. That's what we desire. That's what you desire. That's what you commanded the outset of creation. So I pray for fruitfulness in this church. Fruitfulness in this people that are here today. But not because we do more, because we remain in you more. 
you in us. We function as friends. Even around this Christmas season, my Lord, may we not get busy with Christmas. May we be busy with you. Not stuff we do for you and the stuff we get from you, just with you. A new day, a new season. We go into 2022. We don't know what it holds. This we know, you know. This we know, you want us to. And we know that we don't do it for you. We get to do it with you. I pray you strengthen our relationship with you and with each other. Unite us around you, Christ. We ask these things in your precious name.